Welcome to the Get Loved Up podcast. I'm Koya Webb, founder of Get Loved Up, where we inspire you to love yourself more, love others more, and love the planet more. Each week, I'll interview a special guest who will share their insights on how they practice daily self-care, tackle tough challenges in life, and thrive in the world one breath at a time. You will be inspired to take control of your life as you heal yourself mentally, spiritually, and physically, and create a reality in alignment with your deepest passions. Let's get loved up. You all, this is such an amazing treat to be here with this queen. <laughs> if you all don't know her, mm. this is Miss Tina Lifford. Mm. Y'all might know her as Aunt Vi from Queen Sugar. If you have not checked out Queen Sugar, please do yourself yeah. a favor yeah. and check yeah. it out. Yeah. And this woman, we met about a year ago at her book launch. And she just, I have chills because her energy, her presence, her grace just struck me. And I was like, I have to have her on the Get Loved Up podcast for you guys. So the queen I herself. This. I love this. <laughs> so w- when you opened the door, I so knew both your face and the energy immediately, mm-hmm. right? Which is actually a wonderful statement about you. You know, and if people are going to remember you, to be able to say that they remember your energy as well as your face, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, but, but actually, I have to tell you that the book launch that you think you were at was actually um, my, my book was self-published first, okay? Uh-huh. And the book that... I handed out to you all, which is actually two years ago now. Wow. It was June of 2018. Yes. Wow. Yeah, 2018. And I don't know if you remember that a number of, of the women came in very late and people were expecting a Thai Beauchamp to be there. Thai's last name is Bo, Bo, is Ty a friend Ty of yours? She yes. will be here, is it today? I think she, she'll be here today. Oh my, that's, that's <laughs> fantastic. And so um, Ty was unable to join us that day and I wound up being there with her, you know, influence. Um, the room was full of people who knew her. Right. Long story short, it was from that event that Sean Robinson took my book home, my self-published book home, mm-hmm. got great value from it, mm-hmm. handed it to a friend of hers who was going through something. He got great value from it, but he was also an editor, newly appointed editor at HarperCollins. Wow. And so from the moment um, the book was given to Sean, to him being in my email box was less than a week. And then I am now, you know, with a two book deal and, and the book that you had, which was self-published, has now been revised, which was the vision always. Mm-hmm. And we just launched in November of 2019. Wow, congratulations. That's such a beautiful story. And what I love about it is that you put yourself out there with an intention. 
Absolutely. And I think a lot of uh, women, especially young women, um, if it doesn't, if like, if you might have wanted a book deal in the beginning, but it wasn't there, you self-published. And I, I want you to speak to kind of the journey of how it felt to self-publish and then actually get this, this book deal. Yeah, so um, intention is everything, right? And it is, it actually, uh, intention is everything and the primary intention um, from my point of view is truly wanting to become all that you can be, mm. all that is yours to be, right? And so the, the book, I never woke up and said, oh, I want to write a book. Mm. I woke up and something wouldn't leave me alone. And because I want to always fulfill that that is calling me, I followed this thing that just wouldn't leave me alone. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done because I didn't at the time consider myself a writer. And, um, and going through the process of writing, uh, it was hard because I had to learn how to um, write out of my ego, meaning literally I had to learn how to, I had to use writing to get out of my ego. Because I would write and then I could see the ego on the page. Mm. I would write and I could see. What does that look like to see the ego? The ego on the page. I was trying to say something. I was trying to be something. I was trying to teach. I was trying to, as opposed to being. Mm. And being is always far more magnetic. Absolutely. Right? It's like trying to, a lot of people try too hard instead of allowing. Absolutely. And in that allowing, it's just being who you truly are. Absolutely. Because the allowing, the allowing uh, actually becomes an exercise of you with you mm. and the other people and circumstances just exist so that you can grow into you. Mm. That's when you're allowing. The ego is, you know, me saying, this is who I am. This is how I want to be seen. This is, you know, um, how I want to be affirmed and all of that. And how did you calm the ego? You know, um, the answer to almost every question these days for me is, you know, a question like, how did you? Mm -hmm. The answer is always, I wanted to. Mm. It's, I swear, to the degree that we want freedom, we shall have freedom. Mm -hmm. To the degree that we yearn, to the degree that we reach, we will have what we are yearning for or reaching for. Uh, on my Instagram, uh, we did a post that said, want freedom, then reach for it. And if one hand gets tired, use the other. Mm. You have to just keep reaching. And the more you reach, the more will be not just delivered, because it's not like it's given, 
but the reaching creates the pathway, creates the membrane. It, it, it thins the membrane so that the thing that you're reaching for and the heart that you're reaching with all sort of recognize each other and you know, become one. But not only did you reach, you also built a lot of foundation. You wrote the book, you let the message come through you. So having that message out there and having that message touch so many people, including myself, which mm -hmm. is why I'm happy you're here today. How did it feel to, you know, wanting to tame the ego, taming it, getting the message out there and then seeing it evolve? Because then you were being and this beautiful transition from a self-published book to a published by HarperCollins book happened. So tell me about the kind of feelings that you went through when, when this happened to you. It's a great question. For me, the ego is anytime I am uh, in my head convinced about how it should look or happen, that's the ego because, you know, what's that wonderful saying? Want to hear God laugh, you know, uh, make plans, right. something like that, <laughs> right? Right? Yes. So it's interesting. I always want to do whatever I do to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just writing a book. I really wanted to say something. Right. And... Uh, one of our superpowers is our ability to objectively look at self, objectively. And so when I was writing and I would read what I was writing, objectively speaking, it was crap. <laughs> and I needed to be able to tell myself that. Mm. And I needed to have a bar that I was willing to fight for, right? Right. So... Once I got through the writing of the book and, you know, it's a process and for, and all of those people who come in and try to sell you and say, you know, this is how you do it. And it's step one, two, three, four, five, six. And then you have something at the end. God bless them. That is not my process. And I question if we were to really do some sort of survey, how often that one, two, three, four, five, six is really the process. Because the process creates itself in the moment. And I, I started that book at least 50 times. I was writing on that book at least for the, for the first chunk of it, three years. I threw my hands up and said, I can't do this and I don't quit anything. I said, I can't do this. Right. And that's one of your lies that's that you right. share in the book. That's exactly right. And what is your mantra that you give people to like counteract that lie of I can't? Well, now, I, the two things from the book. Now it's like um, can't is a lie. Mm -hmm. And so underneath the can't, what's the truth? And underneath my can't was... I don't know how to get out of my own way. I don't know how to um, drop into a voice so authentic that it is compelling and magnetic. But the deeper 
those that that realization of what I was afraid of, the more that crystallized, the more I knew what to ask for, right? Right. So if I don't know how to drop into the authentic voice, then that now becomes my ask. God, how do I drop into the authentic voice? If I don't know how to, you know, write in a way that is so compelling that it has people perking up, mm -hmm. then I ask, okay, God, so how do I write in such a way that people perk up? So for you, it was just the asking. Constantly the asking, and that's a painful, asking is a very vulnerable state mm -hmm. because asking means that you literally have to want what you want, mm -hmm. which means you risk not getting what you want. Right. And you have to be willing to stand in wanting what you want in spite of the experiences and circumstances that you're having. Right. One of the things that really captivates me about you is just how you're dealing with, you know, the ego that we all have. And one thing I noticed is that we all have this fear of rejection, right? Because uh -huh. as you were saying, you do that and you, you want it to be accepted. But the truth is, most people are not going to like everything you do. So how do you deal with re rejection? It's a great question, Koya. And um, I approach rejection in two ways. Number one is uh, the biggest and most uh, painful and damaging kind of rejection is rejection of self. Mm. And there are so many subtle ways that we reject ourselves. Sometimes we reject ourselves running after other people's approval. Mm. And if you, if you think about it or just explore it, you know, uh, as an exercise, you, the next time you find yourself um, in pain, in any kind of emotional pain, peer into that pain and see what is in it that is truly the most painful. Mm. Is it, it will likely be that you are in pain because you feel that someone is going to see you in a certain way and you judge that way as not good enough. You judge that way as in some way, um, having you show up less than how you want to show up. Right. And that's, that hurts. But the reason it hurts is that we've already judged ourselves as less than in that particular way or area. Right, so the person is just affirming what we already believe. What we've already said. And you have a quote, it's about unresolved pain. Yes. and how that affects our future. Can you unpack that a little bit? Because your whole point was how if we don't take care of unresolved pain, we end up moving into the future repeating um, patterns. And I think that happens a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it happens a, a lot for very good and physiological reasons. Mm -hmm. Pain or any experience is energy. Right. It's real energy. And so a 
painful experience is energy that gets stuck and is improperly processed, mm -hmm. right? So if in fact energy is stuck, how do you unstick that energy? Because unless it gets unstuck, it is going to live right where it is, right, you know, not just in your body, but in your unconscious and subconscious experience. Mm. Um, you know, they say uh, matter is ne neither created nor destroyed. Right. Energy, energy is meant to flow. Mm -hmm. And if it's not flowing, then because it is a thing, it is creating some level of block, some kind of blockage. And so our job is to understand that when we are in pain, when we are in emotional pain, physical pain, there is a relationship with energy that needs to be attended to. Right. And how do you attend to that energy? How do you attend to you personally? How do you attend to your pain when you because a lot of times it's unconscious, like you, you said. And then when you become aware of it because you're angry, frustrated, have anxiety or anything like that. How do you deal with pain that comes up for you? Yeah. So <clears throat> listen up. I have learned that one of the best ways to help pain resolve is to tolerate it, which means be with it. Mm. Oftentimes when we are in pain, it is so uncomfortable. And part of the reason it's uncomfortable is that we are telling ourselves that this shouldn't be the case. So we've got the pain of this experience, whatever it is. Then we've got the added discomfort of us saying this shouldn't be happening. Right. So and we're not acknowledging the pain. Well, we're we're acknowledging the pain, mm -hmm. but we're we're not we're judging it. Okay, we're judging. Okay, yeah. Okay. We're we're saying I'm in pain. Mm -hmm. But we're judging it, we're judging ourselves, and we're judging God and the universe because we're saying it shouldn't be happening. Right. So one of the most important things to do is to simply acknowledge where I am. Okay, this hurts. My heart is, is beating really fast. And at the base of it, there is this sting, this burning. Just truly acknowledge what's going on and to and in specificity, if you can, because it subconsciously makes you present versus puts you in avoidance or running or judgment. Right. Now that you're present, you can begin to do um actual physical and physiological strategies such as EFT, um, emotional freedom technique, that's the tapping work. Mm -hmm. That work will help you to take um, the edge off of the discomfort. And the moment 
you experience that literally just tapping, you know, certain points on your body um, in the ways prescribed, it literally changes the level of anxiety that is flowing through you. Right. And then the more you practice sort of being present and then making a choice and having that choice make a difference, you begin to slowly build confidence in the fact that you can actually change your state mm. for real. Mm. But it takes a while before you begin to really believe that you have the power to manipulate your state no matter what degree of pain and anxiety you might be feeling. Right. And what do you feel was one of your um, lowest moments? One of my lowest moments. Okay, so, so I'm going to tell you something. Um, my relationship to even a statement like um, my lowest moment has changed. Mm. Because what... And I'll, 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 I'll share this one that uh, I always enjoy sharing, actually. Um, I remember that I was standing in my kitchen and I was going through a, um, a relationship issue, mm -hmm. right? And this experience, this sequence of experiences uh, with this man were happening just as they had happened a number of times before. But this time, I was practiced. This time, all the work that I had been doing, I had practiced enough that even though I was triggered, I was conscious enough to still be present and see myself and do the work in the midst of the trigger. That had never happened before. Mm. Usually the trigger happens, you get taken out and you can't think because literally the brain, you know, focuses, focuses and becomes more narrow when we're triggered. And, all and what is a trigger for you? Because I know that in relationships, like that's also a place where I is, you know, struggle a bit. And I know the triggers can be like some of the, the hardest thing and it's different for different people. So for you in a relationship, what is like a trigger or a red flag or something that lets you know like, oh no. Well now it's, it's interesting because the trigger is not the event that is taking place between me and my partner. That's uh, in my book, I, we talk about I'm upset because. Mm -hmm. It might appear that the trigger is, you know, I was talking and you got up and left the room and that just drives me crazy. Right. Right? That appears to be the trigger. But the real trigger is that somewhere in my past, I felt discounted, mm -hmm. unseen, and um, ignored. And because of that, when you get up and you walk out, what I experience is those past moments right. of feeling 
not seen, ignored, um, and and literally, uh, it feels like abuse. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So our triggers, it doesn't matter what is going on um, in the moment externally. Mm-hmm. The real trigger is the unaddressed pain right. that stuck energy that wasn't properly processed. Right. That is being uh, stim- stimulated, instigated by the experience in the moment. Right. And as we practice and become more conscious so that we can even be conscious in our most upsetting moments, meaning be conscious, be able to see where we are, the more we can see where we are, the the less at least this is the case now with me after years and years of practicing, years and years of building my strength and resilience around um, those reactive moments so that I can now stay present and see myself in the midst of a trigger or reaction. Mm-hmm. And now I know, oh, what's really going on here is an opportunity for me to reclaim my power from that lie Mm -hmm. that became that stuck energy that now lives inside of me as a trigger point. Hmm. That's powerful. That's so powerful. And so you, anytime an event happened, and I love this because one of my sayings, anytime there's conflict, there's an opportunity for both people to grow. It's never just, oh, they did this to me or... So when you find like, okay, this is this unresolved pain, what are your steps for like dealing with that? Well, after you acknowledge it, you own it, you're like, all right, this has happened a couple of times. Yeah. So, so first let's just acknowledge that anyone who is in this conversation has already made a decision that they are interested in cultivating the better iteration of themselves. Right. And when you start from there, the rules get different. Mm. When you start from, okay, I really am going to use my life to become my best self, Mm -hmm. that means you're going to use everything to grow. So in the midst of whatever is going on, it becomes easier to tolerate. And I don't mean indulge. I mean be present to the discomfort because your end goal is growth. And you cannot grow without stretching um, beyond your bandwidth regarding this issue. Mm-hmm. And the only way to stretch beyond your current bandwidth, your current understanding of this issue, your current reactions to this issue, is to be present, to watch yourself, and to question what you see. Mm-hmm. That takes work. Mm-hmm. But when that becomes your game, 
going back to the day that I was standing in my kitchen and all of this started clicking and I started to see it like I had never seen it before. And it has literally changed how I am in any discomfort. I was, I was in the kitchen. I was actually, I just stepped up out of the garage. I was in the kitchen, moving, in pain. And all of a sudden I said, oh God. <laughs> and I bent over and I said, this hurts so bad. But I see it. I see that it's the same old pattern. I see that in this moment, my job is to just be present. I see that me seeing it is doing the work. I see. And so here in the solar plex, I'm doubled over, but on my face, there was a smile. Mm. Both things were real. Both things were happening simultaneously. And it set the stage that now, and I, I, I want you to hear me when I say this, when I am going through difficult times and our job in terms of expanding and growing into the light of resilient beings that we are, our job is to realize that we have to constantly Mm -hmm. come back to ourselves, recalibrate and regulate our perception and emotions, right? Mm -hmm. And we might have to do that over and over and over again to build the habit. But doing that is doing the work. So if I find myself, I found myself, oh, okay, I just, um, I just did uh, an award show and I was, um, I was um, presenting and I came off the stage and a friend uh, without any judgment or attack, right? said that I had mispronounced this woman's name. Mm. Her name, right? Right. A name that I should have known, right? Right. And I know how important people's names are to themselves, you know? Um, And inside, my stomach went, And in the moment that it started doing the ee, I knew two things. I knew that if I didn't step in right then and begin to have a rational conversation with myself, mm-hmm. that that ee, that discomfort, mm-hmm. would easily sink into some level of judgment. Right. And judgment easily opens up the door for what I call in the little book of big lies, the surviving self. Mm. And once the surviving self starts noshing, eating on our old pain, it becomes ravenous. And like <laughs> you just literally open up 
a... You're a, feeding the pain. You're feeding the pain and it becomes a rabbit hole. Mm. So I knew that I needed to step in. I needed to acknowledge this. Right. But I needed to withdraw all of the conclusions, you know, that might come with that. Oh my God, I, you know, she's going to feel offended. Oh my God, um, I look stupid. Oh my, whatever those conclusions are, mm -hmm. I knew that I needed to step in, have a rational, loving conversation. The rational, loving conversation looks something like, Okay, all right, well, we didn't mean to offend. Right. And, um, and I'm just knowing that who I am speaks louder than the, months, the mispronunciation of her name. Right. And uh, I always love, it's a part of the EFT phrasing, but I always love the, um, the phrase, and, and even though this is happening, mm -hmm. even though I'm feeling this way, mm -hmm. even though this discomfort is present, I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. Mm. That's powerful. You know, staying in that vibration of love is so important. And especially as an actress, as you have been in the game for a minute. I have. <laughs> How do you, because really a lot of the tips you're sharing, it just really helps your mental health. It really helps you process pain and get through hard times. So, and the platform, especially in Hollywood, has changed. So how have you been able to endure? You know, I know you have, you know, dealing with the pain and things like that, but a lot of people would have exhausted, a lot of people have, they get exhausted, they get frustrated, they're just like, okay, now maybe it's not for me, but you've consistently like stayed in there. What is your secret? What so, can you tell someone that's like, I wanna be like Tina, but it's just, it's hard. So here's, here's, um, here's the truth. Number one, the game I'm in is an internal game. Mm. And it, it, it's just using the things that are going on outside of me mm -hmm. to teach me how to play my inner game. Right. That's, that's real. Um, intention is everything. I'm here to be fully alive. So if that's my intention, my mother and I share a watering eye. So uh, my I, that happens to me too. Yeah. Me and my dad. My, yeah. I got it from my dad. Yeah, my mom. My mom. Uh, her eye just waters all the time. As an actress, it can be amazing because sometimes that water comes right when I need it, right? <laughs> and I don't have to work for the tears. But um, but. I know what my intention for my life is. Mm -hmm. And I know that before I know what my intention for my career is. Mm. So my intention for my life is to be fully alive. Right. So my, and to be fully alive means that every single, I am on the relentless journey of standing inside of myself standing up to 
the places of limitation inside of myself mm -hmm. and daring, daring them to think that they can get in my way. Mm. So that's the game I'm playing. Message to haters. <laughs> <laughs> she ain't got time. <laughs> well, but, but you see, I'm not even paying attention to the haters because right. I'm so busy paying attention to my own internal hater. Right. Right? Right. I ain't got time to be thinking about you. Right. And because I'm not thinking about you, mm -hmm. your games don't really have an effect on me. No weapons. I'm not paying attention mm -hmm. to you. If I give you my attention, mm -hmm. I have just taken my attention away from my commitment to God that in this lifetime, I am going to do everything I can to be fully alive as a testament to the, to the notion that we can be thinking in terms of possibility, reaching and starting over until we die. Mm. Mm. I hope everyone wrote that down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is powerful. That's a nugget. And I think if everyone focused on themselves and focused on being their best self and not focus on all these things outside, we'd be more spiritually aligned, you know, following our divine calling from God. And in that space, you can get through pain, you can get through rejection, you can get through all the things that, you know, you, I'm sure you've been through in your career, which let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about Queen Sugar. I'm sure people want to kind of get into like the difference between you and Aunt Vi. I mean, because it's very powerful to play another personality on film. Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aunt Vi is, uh, she's a blessing. And uh, Queen Sugar is a blessing. Uh, and it's a blessing because you could go and you could, you know, if you find the right journal, because Lord knows I have, you know, <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't even know how many journals I have, but I have a lot of journals. And throughout my career, I have in my journals, you know, written down what I want for my career and my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I know this today. I wanted to be a respected, successful, sought after working actress. Mm -hmm. I said that over and over and over again in my journal throughout the years. And I am that. You are. <laughs> what would have happened if I had written I want to be the most, and I'm gonna, I'm going to, I mean, I, I believe that what Oprah was writing in her journal is different from what I was writing in my journal. Right. Now, I don't want Oprah's journal. Mm -hmm. I want Tina Lifford's journal. Right. But I'm aware that we really do get what we ask for. Mm -hmm. So, I asked to be a respected, sought-after working actress. Mm -hmm. And I could have and can, from this point forward, tweak that in whatever ways that I want to have it more uh, clearly represent what I want now. Mm -hmm. It goes back to that intention. It goes back to that intention. Wow. We, we must be clear. 
we must dare to invest in an intention. Mm -hmm. We must dare to want something. Mm -hmm. Yearning, like we already said, it's a vulnerable state. Right. Because everybody's watching. Everybody. Everybody's watching. So Aunt Vi is exactly what you wanted. That's your ideal Aunt Vi, character. That's it. Aunt Vi, I said, I want to, and this is in my journal, I want to be number three or four on the call sheet. Mm. I want to uh, be in a kick-ass ensemble mm. where I shine mm. and stand out in a way that is undeniable. And what happened was that in a wonderful show working with amazing actors, all young and beautiful, how did this, you know, 60-something character rise to the top and find her own place to shine? Because you look young and beautiful. <laughs> Let's just be honest. You're glowing, minimal makeup. Let's just be honest real quick. <laughs> because you look young and beautiful. Like, oh my goodness. But you, that you and hear, intentional, yes. It, intentional. That's what I'm talking about. That's and what and I'm beautiful. Talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And so Aunt Vi, the way in which Aunt Vi is different from Tina Lifford is that Aunt Vi, it, 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 at least she started Queen Sugar, season one, um, far more judgmental mm. than I am. But guess what? I used to be far more judgmental. So you can relate. Mm -hmm. You're like, this is easy to play. So the, <laughs> the, the, the journey that Aunt Vi had to take mm -hmm. is a journey that Tina Lifford took. Aunt Vi was rigid, mm. black and white. Literally, black and white. She didn't even like white folks coming up in her house because this was, you know, a space is just supposed to be for herself. Mm -hmm. But Tina Lifford had actually, in my own life and world, I had had to challenge my own ideas about life, my own smallness my own limitation and narrow-mindedness. And so I got to bring, I got to revisit that, that younger, more um, um, confined uh, parts of me in this character. Mm. And because I had spent the kind of time with myself where I truly had learned the truth about me. Right. I could bring a level of depth and truth to Aunt Vi that Aunt Vi wasn't even aware that she had. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So what, was your, what has been your favorite scene? Do you have a favorite scene or one that kind of just really either challenged you or you just enjoyed playing? Yeah, I have a number of them. Okay, so uh, in season four, season four was a monster. Mm -hmm. It was a wonderful season. We saw Aunt Vi take this journey um, of healing. She got triggered. Um, she got triggered her 
and the abuse that she had sustained in her marriage to Jimmy Dale uh, was triggered. It came in and it impacted her most treasured thing, which is her relationship with Hollywood. It came in and it threatened that. And she had to make a choice to either succumb to this trigger and potentially lose the, the, that cherished relationship and its beauty or find a way to get around or to, to free up the stuck energy that was in that trigger, that was right. in that abuse. So that was her journey in season four. Well, there's a moment. Um, there's a moment in season four where, um, and actually it's not, it's not connected to her stuff, but it's connected to her determination to protect her family. Mm-hmm. And she is standing in uh, Vi's prize pies. Hmm. And um, the the white character, oh my God, his name is uh, is escaping me right this moment. But he comes in, and Vi is there eating out of a little cup. Just she's eating something simple out of a little cup, and she stirs the cup, and then she eats it. But you see in her countenance Mm -hmm. that she is literally um, as big and as powerful as the entire universe in this moment. Mm -hmm. She knows it, Mm -hmm. he knows it, very few words are necessary. It takes a simple look and a tone, mm-hmm. and you know that this woman means business, and to cross her now, here, in this moment, could possibly disrupt the universe as we know it. <laughs> <laughs> that is powerful. That is powerful. So does Tina Lipper have this same energy, this same power, this same fierceness? As Aunt Vi? No, as you. You said, does you Tina Lifford have... Do you have that same, same life? As Tina Lifford. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, <laughs> here, here's what I will say. <laughs> because I am playing my own game always, mm-hmm. it would be a mistake to underestimate me. Mm. It, would be, um, it would be a waste of time to try and stop me, mm. and it would be, and and those efforts would most likely go unacknowledged, right. because my commitment is to the power, the undeniable power and truth of the infinite self. And if I let something outside of me dictate my life, they may dictate my circumstances, Mm -hmm. but if I let it dictate my life, then I am putting it on the level of the infinite self. And 
something tells me that that would be blasphemous. Something tells me that that would be like a really painful uh, choice to try and come back from. Mm -hmm. And so I am probably more practiced than most of the people you know. Mm -hmm. When people say, oh, Tina, you're so this or you're so that and you're, uh-uh. Mm -hmm. What I am is practiced. Mm. What I am is really good at pulling myself out of the distraction, out of the fear, right. out of the pain, coming back and remembering that I am more and then daring to be even more fully alive. Mm. Use that thing right there. Right. As painful as it is, as surprising as it is, use that thing right there to be more fully alive. That's amazing. Pull yourself out of the pain, unacknowledge your haters, and live fully alive. That's it. That is so, so powerful. Be in I think... your own game. Because mm -hmm. literally, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Right. You're straight ahead. You're not looking to the left, to the right. You're, your eyes on the prize. Because I'm not just, I'm not trying to get across the finish line that's on that field. Right. That's, that's the theater of it all. Mm -hmm. People in the stands, the people who are watching, they think that I'm running to get across the line that's on the, that's painted on the field. Right. No. I'm running to truly walk in this body mm -hmm. as the thriving infinite self, understanding and using consciously and purposefully my relationship with the surviving self. Mm. That's, that's the game I'm in. That's enough to focus on. I think once you really do commit to like self-reflection and really processing your pain and doing all the things that you've recommended, you don't have time for anything else. Absolutely. Like that's, that takes 24 hours in every day. Absolutely. Do you really think that this, this cosmic construction called life mm -hmm. that we can't possibly totally understand? I mean, you know, it's so big, we know about that much of what it really is. Do you really think that all of this is so that I can come here and be involved in some sort of mean girl, fear-based behavior, right. relationship, point of view or perspective? Ernest Holmes has a, um, has a quote that I just love. It said, faith is the most important thing there is. Mm -hmm. And you cannot get to the grandeur of its possibility through petty thinking and small-mindedness. Hmm. That's powerful. So if I'm over here mm -hmm. engaged with whatever it is you're throwing out, Mm -hmm. or engaged with my own trigger right. to the point that I'm trying to 
uh, assuage my discomfort by attacking, blaming, protecting, you know, out here. That's a petty way right. to move through this amazing cosmic experience. 100%. And how do you deal with, because being in your position and doing all this great work and seeing the increase of especially women of color, you know, behind, in front of, and all around Hollywood when it comes to award season and all these awards. And I know there's a lot of controversy around, you know, being snubbed and not being valued and not being seen. How do you deal with that? And what is your um, take on it? just how to deal with those emotions? Because I know you feel it as an actress, but also as your fans feel it too, because they, they want, you know, we live in a world where we, um, you know, really value awards and we value accolades and things like that. So how do you kind of deal with the, um, the ins and outs of like the awards and the acknowledgements and the things that we all look forward to? Like if you do something, you like it when someone says, oh, great job, you know, that was a good scene and, and things like that. And so when you get an award, it feels good. So being in an industry and seeing, you know, year after year, um, there being, you know, sways to the left or the right, how, what do you feel about, you know, what's okay. happening? So, um, of course, you want these acknowledgement, you know, and the acknowledgement um, in essence of others. And I will say that that it is right there in awards season, you know, or right there as a uh, uh, an entertainer or a person who is in the position to be awarded or apl applauded that it is right in that arena where practicing the notion of being in it and not of it, mm -hmm. desiring but not attached. I make all the room in the world to, uh, to I, I work to be worthy of all kinds of awards. I work I mean, meaning I bring to my work a level of intention, a level of commitment that I hope is worthy of being awarded. And I am not attached to being awarded. Right. I don't need you to see me if I am seeing myself clearly. And if I am seeing myself clearly, then and and I don't receive an award. That's a very rational conversation that I get to have with myself. If there's five people and I'm not one of the ones awarded, okay, there's there's four of us. It's really nice to be here. But if I'm so attached to getting an award that my sense of myself is lost when I am not awarded, then I say not being awarded is a very good thing mm. because it is time for all of us to be so sure, to, to invest and pour into ourselves to such a degree that no one can steal your sense of yourself. Right. 
That's the work. Mm -hmm. And then that way you can show up fully, you know, guns blazing in a level of excellence that is awardable. Right. But if life doesn't shake out that way, mm -hmm. I am not lessened in any way. Right. You don't lose your sense of I self. I don't lose myself. Or your value or your worthiness. That's or, beautiful. Or my peace. Or your peace. Peace is not shaken. Zero percent. You know. That's powerful. I mean, I just, I was just up for uh, an image award and um, it was me, Lynn Whitfield, CCH Pounder, and I forget the other person. I mean, that's an incredible list. Right. Right? I was happy for Lynn. Mm -hmm. I was happy for Lynn. If they had called my name, I would have been happy about that too. Mm -hmm. But when my name wasn't called, there, was, there wasn't, my peace was not disturbed. Right. And there was enough of me present that I could love my sister Mm -hmm. who is deserving. Right. I think that's so important, especially when it comes to us as women. A lot of times there's a lot of conflict and comparison and things like that. Um, and I believe, you know, in oneness, meaning like if you win, I'm winning, we're winning. And so what is your, um, I'm sure you've had it before, people that are kind of like, you know, bad mouthing or not happy because you got something or, over them or you got a part that they didn't get. How do you deal with it when you are the one that wins or you are the one that gets the part and then you kind of get like torn down, your character torn down, or maybe you've never experienced this before, but someone just kind of rakes you over the coals. How do you deal with that? So again, when my, I, my perspective is that I am here for one primary reason, and that is to grow mm -hmm. and to know who I am. Right. So when I find myself in pain and dis-ease, I love myself, but I also get really curious about what are the beliefs and attachments and conclusions that I've drawn about myself or the situation that leave me in this pain. Because you and I both know that, you know, someone can tear you down. Uh, I, I say this in the book, you know, when, when the guy on the street, you know, was calling me out of my name. He, he the guy that I gave some money to calling me out of my name and all. His words were like water off a duck's back. I ain't got time for you. Mm -hmm. So when I can't do this, right. what's going on inside of me? What's the beliefs about myself? How have I become attached to either how I've been, how I'm being seen or whatever, why is this disturbing my peace? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that it needs to be judged and that it shouldn't be happening. 
I'm saying in that it is happening. What is the information that I can learn from it? What can I learn from this happening? Because if it didn't matter, it would be like water off a duck's back. So what, what's different? Right. Why isn't this water off a duck's back? And being willing to be in that inquiry with myself Mm-hmm. helps me to see what my beliefs are, what my judgments are, what my conclusions are. And then I can rationally look at them and see if there's some place where I need to adjust so that my peace is not disturbed. I love that. Our peace belongs to us. Mm-hmm. And if it's disturbed... It is something inside of us, right. some perspective that is doing the disturbing. I feel that. It's almost like we are responsible for our own emotions. We are, we are responsible for our experience, mm. not for the circumstances, mm-hmm. but for our experience mm-hmm. of the circumstances. I say that life is, you know, here's my really simple bottom line explanation of this big thing called life. Life is simply, I mean, we are in this, this creative medium. It is every, every molecule in this thing is creative. And life is simply bumping into life, creating more life. So when life bumps into you, how you see it, what you conclude about it, what you what you judge is just another way of creating more life. So what is the experience inside of yourself that you are creating Mm -hmm. based upon how you were seeing what you see? That's powerful. Because we're always creating and co-creating life. Absolutely. I love that. So I have some rapid fire questions from you. Oh, Lord. Um, season two <laughs> is all about me, you know, interviewing women that I am inspired and intrigued by. And so we want to get some nuggets from you. Okay. Number one, what um, is your favorite book or a book you love that you read recently? Um, uh, t- um, Water Dancer by Tanahasi okay. uh, Coates. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his first name correctly. Well, we're going to give you grace because yes. that's what you taught us. Yes. <laughs> and yes. then your favorite movie. Um, my favorite movie of all times is uh, The Godfather. Oh, nice. And your favorite movie this year, like that's been out in the last year or so? Um, my favorite movie this year, you know what? I loved, um, was, it, was it Aladdin? That that um, Will Smith was in. Oh my God, I loved that movie. Yes, I, loved, I love that one too. I loved uh-huh. that movie. It gave us all so much permission, mm-hmm. right? I it, loved it. Yes, so yes. Good. I'm a Lion King fan, yes. but Aladdin is one of my. Oh, favorites. it was so good. So good. Yeah. So good. And then, um, what is your? Oh, oh, oh! No, no, no. You got no. another I know, one? No, yes, and Give definitely, definitely the Joker. The, the Joker. Joker. The Joker was. I don't think I've seen the new oh, one. Let me tell Are you. you see it? The you have to go see it okay. because the Joker 
It is one of the best uh, mental health or mental wellness movies. It so depicts the importance of us all understanding that everything we say and the things that happen to us, they make a difference. So watch how you treat people. Right. Watch what you say. Mm-hmm. Watch what you internalize. Okay, sorry, go ahead. I love that. Mm-hmm. No, Joker, on my list. And um, so your favorite book, your favorite movie, and also your favorite, like, and I mean, like, it, I know there's a lot of music out there, but what can you like turn on every day and it brings you joy? I don't listen to music. Really? Are you kidding me? I know it's crazy. How is it possible? I don't know. It's the it's a it's a really crazy thing about me. I don't know why I don't really hear music. I have to force myself. Right. I have to decide uh-huh. to listen to music in order to hear music. So no favorite song, no favorite artist of all times that you hear when you're out. I mean, if if I go old school, Uh you know, if I go old school and uh, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, I Uh. think music stopped for me right there. That's on my list. (laughs) I have like a whole um, Black History Month playlist. Mm. What's Going On. Mm -hmm. Music of my mind. But see, I I think music stopped for me right there. And I'm not saying that that um, I don't like today's music. I'm Mm -hmm. saying that something happened and I don't hear music. But then I also, when you walk into my house, you won't hear anything. There's no music on, there's no television on, there's no radio on. I don't ever turn the radio in my car on. Mm -hmm. I don't listen to to stuff right i am really really happy in the quiet that is powerful i guess you're listening to your thoughts all day the constant um connection with self i think that's very very because i always find myself being careful of what i'm absorbing but you're like i'm not absorbing any of that no No news none of none of it I mean, I, I have my ways of knowing what's going on, mm-hmm. but I, I, I am definitely in relationship with myself mm-hmm. in a very, very um, committed and practiced way. That is powerful. And how do you get loved up? <laughs> How do you get loved up? So I get loved up in lots of ways. Okay. I get loved up every single time I even think about my family because there's mm. so much love that uh, we we share, period. I get loved up um, every time I uh, have the grace of having chosen a friendship or relationship well enough that in the difficult moments we can talk through stuff. Mm-hmm. I get loved up playing, mm-hmm. just being willing to have fun and claim that as a priority. I get loved up um, every single time I go to my journal and dare to dream 
there to extend and revisit and reimagine what I think is possible for myself. I get loved up just, just being standing firm in the commitment that this life is supposed to be um, an opportunity to thrive. And what does that look like? And then getting really sucked in to the curiosity of all of that. Right. That is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. You are so beautiful inside and out. Mm. And I just want you to share with people a little bit about your platform outside of being an amazing, phenomenal actress mm. um, about your inner fitness mm. um, platform. Well, thank you. Um, inner fitness is, it just, it just makes sense. You know, mm -hmm. um, I woke up one morning and literally the words inner fitness were etched on the back of my eyelids. And it was like, oh, that's it. That's, that's what I've been trying to say. Mm -hmm. You know, I had, have and had been in, um, in different iterations of working with women and in the flowering of ourselves, mm -hmm. right? It started off as Totally Fabulous Woman, then it became Waking Up Fabulous. But inner fitness just felt so right because it included all of us. Mm -hmm. And inner fitness is, is the Inner Fitness Project, which is my platform, is taking the stance that inner fitness is as important as physical fitness. Right. And in the same ways that we, that physical fitness is codified, that we all know what to do and what is important in order for us to be proactive and prophylactic where our physical wellness is concerned. The Inner Fitness Project is saying, hey, that same kind of specificity is needed and possible where inner fitness is concerned. Mm -hmm. And so we are over here codifying and saying, okay, so diet and exercise is super important in terms of being proactive and prophylactic where, where uh, physical fitness is concerned, being able to be more conscious and aware and then observe yourself and interrupt the kind of patterns that no longer serve you. Those are basics to our inner fitness. Right. And inner fitness, um, you know, allows us to take charge of our lives mm -hmm. and then be on our own individual journey to what it looks like to be fully alive. That is powerful because I feel like your inner fitness does affect your physical fitness, it affects what you eat, it affects how you work out. If your mental health isn't on point, then you might not want to go to the gym. You don't want to eat healthy. You start, you know, kind of eating to like, you know, solve problems and drinking and all these things. And so what are like, the what is the main thing in inner fitness? And it might have a couple of these, but what are the main things you focus on helping people with? So. Uh, I mean, the inner fitness as a whole, but what tools do yes. you use? So the, the, the main part of inner fitness is becoming connected to yourself right. and redefining yourself as, um, we say, creative, resilient, empowered to choose, whole and worthy. Mm -hmm. That's who you are up front that doesn't change. And so... 
Um, we provide spaces. We do uh, a weekend, whether it's a Saturday or a Sunday, but every weekend we have some sort of inner fitness workout where you can, just like people come to your yoga class, mm -hmm. people can come to our online inner fitness class so that that, that idea of you as creative, resilient, empowered to choose, whole and worthy, is always being shored up. That there's some principles, there's some exercises, there's some um, opportunity where you are, are surrounded by information given, given the time to be with yourself in the ways that you don't take for yourself in a community that is about all everyone moving forward into that next better iteration of themselves that is powerful well thank you so much for being here with thank me thank you so much um you inspire me so much and thank you for sharing your nuggets of wisdom with mm. my community mm. and just at the end we put our hands together your community is very fortunate i have to tell you, oh, you thank know, you you are, thank you, you are a light and you are bringing light and that's beautiful Thank you. So this is our love heart. And we like to say until next time, get loved up. Get loved Bye. up. <laughs> <laughs>In 2019, I wrote my first book, Let Your Fears Make You Fears, How to Turn Common Obstacles into Seeds for Growth. In the book, I share some of my biggest challenges I faced on my journey to living my purpose and how I overcame them using simple yet profound daily reflections and rituals that I share in the book. I'm excited for you to dive in and experience your own evolution into the best version of yourself. Go to KoyaWeb.com to check it out and join the Get Loved Up membership for daily meditations, recipes, workouts, and everything that you need to live a healthy and active lifestyle mentally, spiritually, and physically. Go to koyaweb.com forward slash audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, if you'd rather listen to it at your own convenience. Let's get loved up.